It's episode 811 of the Rogue Man Cycling Podcast. It's Friday, and Sarah's back. It's time for newbie questions. Yeah, it's just me ordering hoodies, shorts, and I'm like, oh, I made eight euro profit on my own order. But if anyone else other than me wants to get some Roadman swag, underneath any of the videos, you'll see a little swag bar, and there you go. It's awesome. The dogs are getting fat. They're not even getting any walks. The dog is two kilos overweight. Because <laughs> that's fact. How do you even on the, contort yourself? On the, on the move into a hat. On the move into a hat. Yeah. I'm completely speechless. Sarah, welcome back. <laughs> Happy Friday, you everybody. Trying to jump the queue. I was trying to jump the queue. I'm used to being on my own in the studio after all of my Tour de France Femme avec Zwift, all of my podcasts I've been doing every day. They're almost killing me, by the way. I haven't been out training in a week. <laughs> she hasn't done anything. No, I haven't done anything. Can't go to the cinema. We can't go out for dinner. No, the dogs are getting fat. They're not even getting any walks. The dog is two kilos overweight. <laughs> Because that's fact. Don't fat shame him. Don't fat shame the dog. <laughs> I always say behind every fat dog comes a fat owner. And it feels like that's happening in the last couple of weeks. Just it's been full on. Go alley, alley, alley for the Tour de France Femme of XF. You Take put some, a lot into them. Yeah, well, I, I want to do it justice. You've set a standard for the podcast, Anthony, and I want to do it justice. You put a lot more in than I do. I want to do the girls justice as well and girls racing. It has been a very exciting race. And I just think any of the naysayers that say women cycling is shy, you can all go and piss off and go and do one. If you've watched any of the racing over the last five stages, you'll know that the quality and the excitement is absolutely top end. Highly, highly recommend. Go and check it out. Cool. So if you're at a loose end and Sarah's podcast isn't quite doing and you're looking for something a little more down key, I've Greg Lamont on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg Lamont. Oh, just old Greg. Just gave Greg a buzz there. Yeah. So Your new buddy. We've been trying to pop, uh, we've been trying to push a little bit more emphasis onto the YouTube channel to give it a bit of a catch up. Obviously, it's miles behind where the podcast is in terms of listeners. But I do think there's something beautiful about having a visual component to it as well. Podcast is amazing because you can take a it on the go but there's something unique about visual as well so we've done a pre-release of the greg lamont podcast over on the youtube channel yesterday and it's absolutely killing it some highlights include greg talks about potential motor doping in the sport and names some pretty big riders talks about ferrari by the way you name a few riders you accuse a few riders as well yeah it's all there it's all there it's gloves (laughs) off but it's yeah no it's brilliant it was an amazing uh, interview it was amazing opportunity i just tried to shut up and let greg talk it's an hour and a half i think interview on the youtube channel so go check that out and i think i've watched the youtube episode a couple of times just before it's released to make sure everything was okay and no one was saying anything totally naughty and I really do think it's worth watching it because Greg is quite animated about certain topics and yeah so you miss all that just in the audio so go check out the YouTube. Perfect let's dive in Sarah and talk about oh before I dive in my swag because I'm so I don't want to use your word but you'd said the word I look resplendent (laughs) in my new roadman swag. I did say that Every day you look resplendent, Anthony, but you're looking pretty fly today. We hit 10,000 subscribers over on YouTube and I didn't think you'd get anything. I love celebrating milestones, but sometimes they're quite arbitrary. 
and 10,000 I thought was another arbitrary milestone celebration, but YouTube actually give you a swag store. So I've been, basically it's just me ordering You're a stuff. designer now. Yeah, it's just me ordering hoodies, <laughs> shorts, and I'm like, oh, I made eight euro profit on my own order. But if anyone else other than me wants to get some Roadman swag, underneath any of the videos, you'll see a little swag bar and there you go. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. Okay, let's crack in to the questions. Number one, and this is from Jeremy. One thing I don't get about racing is where do they start measuring time gaps at the finish? On La Tour, the top 50-ish riders are listed as no time gap. So at what point do they start counting? That's a really good question. One second. One second? One second gap. So once the bunch comes in together and there's no breaks between the bunch. So let's say a bunch, it takes a bunch two and a half seconds to roll over the line together. They all come in at the same. Yeah, there has to be a gap of one second. A gap of one second. Yeah, so... The gap then is measured from, so if there's 10 riders, because a gap at one second, a one second gap at 60 kilometers an hour is a substantial size gap. It's probably a f- maybe 20, 15 meter gap. Yeah. It's not a small gap. It's a very visible gap. So in the case that first 20 riders come in together and then there's that visible sort of 15 meter gap and then there's the next rider, the gap is taken from the time of the first rider in the first bunch to the first rider in the second bunch. So it ends up being a bigger gap than that. So that's why when you're coming in across the line these stage races, you'll hear people shouting in the sprint, no gaps, no gaps, because you can end up letting a wheel length go and ends up costing you six seconds. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know it was the first person from the first group to the first person in the second group. Very cool. Okay, let's move on to question number two. Anthony, how many of us genuinely believe performance-enhancing drugs are not a feature of the Tour de France? Myself and Greg Lamont talked about this at length in the interview, and we've come from an era where we have quite targeted drug testing, targeting post-events and targeting, Sarah, you've experienced me when I've been on the whereabouts, which is the next level up from post-events. You've got to be pretty brain dead to go into an event actually taking something because you know you're going to get tested at the finish line. That's a lot of local races as well. Not as much as I'd like to see, but there's still some local testing on a national level. The next level that when you start getting riders get a little bit better than that and they're maybe getting some government funding, you get onto whereabouts testing. And that's what I was on, where a drug tester can pop up at any time to your house. Now, again, these aren't impossible to get around because the drug testers are normally testing in batches. So if you have a friend that lives in the area, maybe he's a runner, he'll test, text you and be like, hey, the testers are in the area if you don't want to get tested. It's, for me, it was innocuous things like, you know, I didn't want to waste my whole evening in with the tester if I had plans to go to the cinema or something. So that's when I'd be dodging it. And if you miss it, then they'll call back the next morning at your error. So it's definitely not foolproof because it gives you time if you have something in your system to flush it out. That's what we've been at for years. And you got to get very lucky as a tester to catch someone who's cheating in this system. And that's why we've seen the Armstrong era and it was so easy to get away from this. And the rewards were so great to tempted people. Now we've moved on from that. Now we're at biological passports where people are having their blood values and markers assessed as baseline figures when they come into the sport and then documented throughout the year. And if there's deviations from those baselines, you get a ban. The technology is so good and the biological passport theory is so robust, I don't see performance-enhancing drugs as a feature in the Tour de France at the moment. And Greg Lamont pointed to Tivo Pino being a standout example. Tivo Pino was a rider who throughout his whole career has made every bit of his power data, both training and racing, available for public scrutiny. So you could see there was no abnormalities throughout his whole career. And Tivo Pino nearly won the Tour de France a couple of years ago. 
So if Thibaut Pinot is able to compete totally clean, it gives me nice hope for the Tour de France. Me too. And of course, we have the calls like we do after every Tour de France. Is Jonas, you know, is he doping? Is Pogaccia doping? All of the usuals. But I'm with you, Anthony. I think they have come up with some excellent systems now and it seems like they do have a proper hold on the whole thing. Stages Cranks and Stages Dash Bike Computer are today's show sponsors. I've used Stages Power Meters for the better part of a decade, first on my road bike, then on the tandem, and now off-road on my gravel and mountain bike. I really trust the consistency of the data that it gives me. It's been proven to be plus or minus 1.5% accurate. They're also super light. I think it adds about 20 grams to the weight of my crank. And a feature I love is the battery is so replaceable. It's a small little watch battery that you can pick up in any convenience store. I'm pairing my Stages crank with a Dash L200 bike computer, which I absolutely love. You can use it in portrait or landscape mode, which is kind of cool. The battery is so, so good. It'll last between 10 and 18 hours, and I've tested this depending on the mode you use. So it's going to last even my longest events this season. And the maps feature is absolutely amazing for when you're out on the trails. The color coding makes it virtually impossible to get lost. So if you're looking to get your hands on a Stages crank set or you're looking to get your hands on the Stages Dash L200, which I'm using at the moment, all the information you need, it's over on stagescycling.com. The link to that is in today's show notes. Question number three. Hi, Anthony. Did you ever have a um, toilet emergency on the bike? Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether to include this question or not. It's a very boys question. Last week, I had an incredibly close call during a race. And this does happen sometimes after taking all those gels and then maybe also pushing my body under strain while racing. Any advice? So the first one, Anthony, did you ever have a toilet emergency on the bike? Yeah, I definitely have. National championships a few years back, I was just filling myself full of high five SIS energy gels and they typically have a very nasty effect on my stomach, as I'm sure they do on most people's stomach. And across the finish line, I had to time my sprint very different everyone else. Everyone sprinted for the finish line. I had to keep sprinting past the finish line until I found a cafe at the end of the street and I was literally ripping my skin suit off, running through the cafe touching Claude, as we say. But I had Alan Davis on the podcast not too long ago, and Alan Davis mentioned a particularly graphic Tour de France. If you're eating your food, put it away right now. Pretty graphic Tour de France incident where he needed to do a number two and very difficult in the Tour de France. And the stage that was happening on, there wasn't really a reprieve or a rest break where he could stop. So he had to do it on the go, moving along. So the team car gave him a bunch of hats, like the cotton hats that you use to try and go into. So he wrapped up the cotton hat with, you know, the number two inside it. And he said he threw it as he was getting back into the back of the peloton. And he see a young kid running over to pick it up. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so just to clarify, he got off the bike to have a... No, he, on the move. On the move? Yeah. How do you even on the, contort on the, on the yourself? On the move into a hat. On the move into a hat. Yeah. I'm completely speechless. I mean, I don't even know how that would work. 
But I've been, energy gels have been wrecking my stomach for so long. And you know, if you're listening to the podcast, we have a new partner, Velo Forte. They have a new tart, cherry and guarana gel, which you need to check out because it's like energy electrolytes and caffeine all in one. The only reason I mention it is I used it on the Wicklow Way for 14 hours. And it's the first time I haven't ever got upset stomach from gels. I normally have... The, you know, the recommendation is like 100 grams or 120 grams per hour of carbohydrates on the bike. But if I try and take that in gels, like I can't do it. So this is the first time I've ever actually been able to do that. So definitely worth checking out. I will get Sarah to pop in the details of that offer with Velaforte in the show notes. Okay, perfect. Next question. And this is from Ewan Nocton. Anthony, how do I properly execute a breakaway and gauge when it's the right time to attack in a race? What a great question. Yeah, that is a brilliant question. That's so hard to explain to someone. And there's a feeling in the bunch when the break is going to go clear. And it's difficult to verbalize the feeling because you need to experience it. But I would try and summarize it as the moment when you're hoping nobody else attacks. The moment of maximum pain when you're hoping nobody else attacks right now, I'm feeling close to the limit. If you're one of the better riders and you attack at that point, if you're having those feelings and those sensations, you can be sure everyone else is having those feelings and those sensations. And if you put yourself into the mindset of somebody else that's coming to the race, most people, the vast, vast majority of people going to a bike race aren't going to win. They're going to tick a box to say they're there to participate. They're telling their husband, their wife, oh yeah, I raced this morning. They're telling their friends, their club mates, is that the race the weekend? They don't want to go and taste blood in their mouth. They don't want to go and experience maximum heart rate. So when they're at that point, when they're right on the edge, if you go all in, roll all in, all chips on the table, full gas at that point, you're going to put them to a choice of, I have to go to maximum heart rate, blood in my mouth, lactate in my eyeballs to follow this guy. How bad do I want it? And most people don't want it that bad. That's the perfect time to attack. Just get the, you know, stamp on them while they're feeling it. And what about reading other people's faces? I mean, do you look around, let's say you're thinking, okay, now's a great time to attack and come off the bunch and make it, maybe go for a solo breakaway. Now, you obviously know the riders that you're racing against, a lot of them um, in kind of the leagues that you race and you know them in, inside and out. You probably know their little ticks. You certainly have a tick that people can watch out for. I'm not going to talk about it online. I'm not going to talk about it here unless you want to expose it, Anthony. And I know that like a lot of the riders that you've raced with for ages, you'll know, okay, that fella is doing this. So I know he is he is in a world of pain. So now's my time to go. Yeah, if you intimately know a rider, you'll find that stuff. But often that's not really possible because you're only seeing the side or the back of someone's face. So that's not really possible. But the biggest tell is someone's starting to let wheels go. Are wheels starting to go and gaps opening all through the bunch? If wheels are gone and people are struggling and other people are having to come around and close gaps, it's a difficult time. Also be careful to read the wind. You know, don't, even if it's a really difficult time like that and you're turning into a headwind, it's still not the right time to go. So reading the wind is super important in strategizing also. Last question for today, and this is from Luke Hall. Luke says, I play golf about six hours a week and about the same on the bike training. I have kids, I'm self-employed, but that's all my spare time gone. Am I spreading myself too thin. I really want to improve on the bike and maybe do some racing next year. But at the same time, I've built up some great friendships and really enjoy the golf course. My question is, can I have it all? It's really dependent on what you define as success. If you want to race on the bike, I would suggest 
six hours a week probably isn't enough of a commitment to have fun on the bike at open racing level. At half four level, six hours on the bike is on the low end of the commitment that I would see from athletes. You're looking at eight to 10 hours is kind of a sweet spot. And if you want to see progression past Cat 4 or Cat 3, you're looking at maybe a little bit north of 10 hours per week. A lot of it's down to the quality you're doing as well. Golf is quite passive, but if you're going from the golf course to the bike, you know, there's not a lot of downtime as well. And depending on what your employment is, you know, because it's vastly different if you're in IT sales versus you're a roofer putting roofs on. One is very physical, one is more passive and allows you that recovery time. I think as a general rule at home, though, six hours isn't enough time on the bike. If you think about it, that's one long four-hour spin on a Saturday and then you've only two hours for the rest of the week. Depending on how you distribute it, you could get a little bit more out of it, like six one-hour sessions it's going to be better than one six-hour session, especially if you have a lot of quality in the six one-hour sessions. But I would say eight hours is your minimum per week if you want to be a racer next season. And it's quite likely going to be difficult to balance golf and bike racing. So Luke, you can not have it all. <laughs> okay, let's move on to tech. And Anthony, I know that you want to cover the Trek Majone that we're seeing Alicia Balsamo from Trek Little ride in the Tour de France Femme Vex Swift. Yeah, it's Mads, a bit of a looker. Mads Pedersen also rode it in the Tour de France. And it is, there's been some conversation in our Roadman Club WhatsApp group about it as well. Some people have posted it saying, what a bike. I couldn't be more at the opposite end of the scale. I think it's horrific. It looks like someone just totally spaced out in the Trek Project 1 paint workshop and picked these random colours. I don't mind the colours, but the seat post, it's kind of like a triathlon bike. You know, they can basically, there are no rules in triathlon bikes. Soft tail, you call them. Soft tail, yeah. It just looks a bit, look, it's probably not my cup of tea. It looks kind of futuristic. It's well specced out. It has beautiful set of Bontrager or RSL 51 wheels on it, which are tubeless. It has Pinarelli P0 race tires, which are not the fastest tire in the world, but they're a nice tire. Shram Red Group set on it. Interestingly, the Elisa Balsamo is riding it with time pedals. And we're seeing a bit of a move back to time pedals. And this is something that's kind of quite forefront to my mind at the moment because time pedals were used in 11 consecutive Tour de France wins. And that's going from 1988 when Delgado won to Pantani's win in 1998. Interestingly, Greg LeMond was paid $1 per pedal from Luck for every pedal he sold during his career. And that amounted to quite a pretty penny. But what a deal to get back then. Sorry, time pedals are, they're not, they don't have a power meter or anything built in. They're just pedals maybe they do now i don't okay. like a lot of pedals are supplemental parameters but they're a brand like you know look shimano yes time are a separate pedal company that make pedals maybe they're top end i'm not aware like uh, the favro pedal which is a pedal but also has a parameter built in maybe their top end one also has a parameter built in i'm not sure but time is a whole style of pedals which will have a range from entry level all the way up to their top you know dura ace equivalent and they're kind of making a comeback into the Peloton since 2021. I think they were bought by SRAM. I didn't know that. Yeah, they were bought, bought by SRAM. So maybe that's why we're seeing them more to the forefront. Interesting fact. There you go. I, I had a little look at the price of these. Pedals? No, not of the pedals, of the bike. Why do you want one? Mm, no, I, I'm okay for that at the moment. So I'm, I have a lovely bike at the minute. I mean, I know... I know upgrades are always welcome, but... Sorry, don't ride upgrade. Don't buy upgrades, ride upgrades. <laughs> oh, I messed that one up. <laughs> it's my opportunity. 
Um, but yeah, I think starting price is in and around seven and a half thousand euro and then it can just go, you know, sky's the limit on the price. I did see some of them completely specked out. You're talking 19k. Whoa. Ouch. Roman, Sarah is going to be back again for another few days with her Tour de France avec Zwift, which is sponsored by Whatbike. And I'm going to be back again on Monday with my solo cast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to go check out the Greg Lamont episode on YouTube. And I'll chat to you then. Ride safe. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.